Fantasy is what people want, but reality is what they need. Yeah, they love you because you're such a hip-hop head, and they love that. We love that. Everybody loves that. I'm glad you really get it like that. She's a genius. genius. Give it up for Letty, please. Hi, welcome to Down to Ride episode 19. I'm Letty, and I had to do this episode like 20 trillion times because of freaking El Chapo. So I'm going to take you through my journey of this Chapo trial. If you're hip to El Chapo, if you're not hip to El Chapo, he is a notorious figure in the drug world. He's a notorious figure for Mexicans, Mexican-Americans, Latinos, everywhere, people that are like infatuated with narcos. He's either a hero in your eyes or he's a villain in your eyes. But either way, he's infamous especially because he escaped prison twice in Mexico. So that kind of gave him worldwide like wow and spectacle. But people either love or hate him. And a lot of people, especially from Mexico and of Mexican descent, love him. It's the same type of infatuation and glamorization we have with like Pablo Escobar. This guy, yes, he was a drug dealer, but also he helped out his fellow man and he came up and he's this kingpin, whatever. So he's been in trial in the U.S. for the past few months. And right now, jury's in deliberation, whether they're going to find him guilty or not guilty. The thing about this case is it's interesting to me. It has the appeal to me because I'm Hispanic. Again, like the whole narcos vibe of it and just curiosity on this guy. But this trial specifically hasn't been televised. It's not like the OJ trial where, and I feel like if it was televised, it would be like the OJ trial, like I'll be watching it. But because there are witnesses that still need their identities protected, I think that's one of the many reasons it's not as widely documented and publicized because it definitely is deserving of that type of publicity and documentation. So I've been catching bits and pieces of it, like little uh, highlights that get people talking throughout the trial, like his mistress crying on the stand, his wife laughing at that, or his his wife getting caught with the phone inside the the courtroom and the reason that's bad is it's not so much like oh she's probably gonna text or be on social and that's disruptive it's actually because she might take pictures of these witnesses that were trying to hide their identity from outsiders who might kill them type shit then there's the intrigue of like oh how he escaped and the type of riches that he had all of that stuff has caught me throughout this trial but i never really was able to get a full on rundown of what's going on because it's not too available to us but what i did find was this playlist on youtube every day like after testimony the people that are allowed in the courtroom come on cbs and i'm sure on other channels but this is the one that i peep they come and they report back what happened and they talk about it, analyze it, get defense attorneys and prosecutors to weigh in on what's going on. Found a playlist that ran through from the beginning to the to the now deliberation of the jury. What really made me like, okay, let me dig into this a lot is the fact that the prosecution had about 56 witnesses they went through, 200 hours of testimony. And then when the defense came up, it was the, the defense's turn. They only put one witness on the stand with about 30 minutes of testimony and then they rested. At first hearing that, it's like, oh shit, Chapel's screwed. His defense does not give a shit about defending this guy. And I guess once you see all of the charges against Chapel, you're like, well, duh, who could defend that? I still wanted to be like, all right, maybe there's something to it. Let me deep dive into this playlist. 
that CBS put together, which is a dope one. And so I think the highlights that I want to share was first, what's at stake here? What's at stake for Chapel? He has about 10 counts of RICO charges, drug trafficking, racketeering. One of the biggest things that they want to prove is that he is the head of the Sinaloa cartel. His defense is, no, I'm not the head. I am a part of it, but the head is actually some other dude named El Mayo who's still running the Sinaloa cartel. If I was the head, why is this shit still going on? That's their defense. But what's at stake is basically where El Chapo is going to serve life. And for the record, it won't be no death penalty because the U.S. agreed that in order to extradite him, which is taken from Mexico's custody, bring him to the United States and try him here. In order to do that, they waived the death penalty. So they're like, okay, we won't put the death penalty on any of these charges. Just give him to us so we can put him through our trial. So already no death penalty. And what's at stake is basically where he's going to serve life. Because even if he gets guilty on just one of the 10 charges against him, even just one is going to give him life in prison. Basically, it's either are you going to serve life in prison at Supermax in the United States or are you going to go back to Mexico to serve the life sentence you had that you kept escaping from so then of course another thing is and i think this happens with everyone this is why you just watch who not even just watch who your friends are first don't do fuck shit second if you're gonna do fuck shit know that whoever you're doing it with will probably tell on you should their life or anything that has to pertain with them be threatened because of shit y'all did together everyone's turning on him his homies his associates his mistress his it guy assassins he had people that distributed his drugs in the u.s in mexico people that made deals for him with the government in mexico allegedly everybody's turning on him that's part of the evidence against him but here's where i got hip to oh maybe this one witness and 30 minutes from the defense isn't actually a bad thing for Chapel. The burden of proof is on the prosecution. You have to prove beyond reasonable doubt that this fool is one, the main guy of the Sinaloa cartel, and he's done like whatever these other counts are, which have to do with drug trafficking. All the defense has to do is bring in doubt. And the doubt is pretty easy with every one of these witnesses that are his ex-homies or workers or assassins or affiliates. When they start to cross-examining these fools, these people are literally going on the stand and saying, I killed, I did drugs. I did all of this under his orders. So you're already saying like, I'm guilty of this shit that I've done. And it was under him. The defense is, it's easy. You're already guilty. But if you cooperate and say this and the third about El Chapo, you're going to get less time on your sentence. You hate Chapo for one reason or another. Some of the affiliates he had a falling out with, they hate him. He uh, fucked over their own type schemes. Each one of you has something against El Chapo. Clearly you're going to lie if it's in your best interest. You already don't like this fool. You're going to get less time on your sentence because you're already caught and you're already guilty so it's like bringing those little like speckles of doubt to the jury and these fools are there's this one guy his name is chupeta a lot of narcos have crazy names his name is chupeta which would translate in english to lollipop this fool testified about killings that were done under el chapo's orders either he was an assassin or he contracted assassins but then he had a falling out with chapo and then to escape both el chapo's revenge and capture by authorities he got a bunch of fucking plastic surgery which makes him look like a lizard like this fool looks this fool look and it's and it's because this stuff is sketched courtroom sketches it looks like a comic book bad guy his face looks like it would be on a villain in a comic book it's very easy to already just by visual see this is a bad dude and then the stuff he admits to, oh, by the way, El Chapo made me do it. Chapo, who, by the way, if we're talking looks wise, which we as people, period, since we were cavemen, we size up 
anybody we come in contact with and and we profile based on how they look. Are they a threat? Should I run away? Should I engage? Am I attracted to this other being? El Chapo, just by look-wise, Chapo means little. This little guy, to me, he looks like a bunch of my tios. <laughs> Very humble looking. I'm not saying he's humble, but I'm saying that it doesn't look like this scary drug cartel dealer guy. And then he's sitting in the courtroom. He's always looking for his wife. They say he's very polite and charismatic. Even when they have these wiretaps on him or these phone calls or any type of footage on him, he's being pretty polite. So all you're seeing as a juror is a bunch of fucking assassins and drug dealers all admitting to the crazy stuff that they're doing and then saying like this nice little looking guy is the one that ordered it because he's the head of the Sinaloa cartel. Even one of the star witnesses for the prosecution is related to El Mayo. So him saying that Chapo is the guy behind it, right? And not his brother, El Mayo. Duh, you have bias, that's your brother. But possibly the most damning evidence against El Chapo that would signify he is the head was phone conversations that they got from his IT guy. His IT guy turned on him. Well, his IT guy got caught by the FBI and they were like, hey, you want to not get fucked over wiretap the fool that got you to wiretap everyone around him he wanted to wiretap his wife his mistress all the people around him just to hear what they're saying but in that also gave a leeway into his conversations which wouldn't have been there had he not said record these conversations it guy and in those i think it's phone calls of him establishing drug deals drug drop-offs and again to the point of where this guy is pretty polite and charismatic he's telling one of his assassins to be nice to a cop don't don't kill him maybe maybe just cut off his finger no i don't I don't know what he said, but he was being very, from what they reported back, very empathetic towards this police officer that got this assassin pissed the fuck off. So as much evidence is piled against him and then just the stories we know of him in general. I didn't know about El Mayo, who is supposedly the head of the cartel, but I did know about Chapel because of his escapes. And again, his just infamy. One would think like, oh yeah, he's not going to get away with shit. But you can also see from the courtroom stance of it, from a lawyer stance of it, how it's not what you know, it's what you can prove type shit. And if they can drop in the seed of doubt with the jurors, that's basically all the defense has to do. And on this CBS playlist, when they talked about how they only had one witness and 30 minutes of testimony a defense lawyer who was on like the panel talking about it was like look oj didn't go on the stand oh they didn't have any witnesses this fool still found not guilty it happened it's not out of the ordinary which when i first read the headline i was like damn this is crazy why and it's like no it actually happens and here's why that was basically the chunk of what i wanted to say but then over the weekend a report came out or documents were released by the judge because of a petition from media. And these documents were regarding things that you couldn't ask some witnesses, things that were going to be withheld from testimony, things that were going to be withheld from the jurors. Yes, censorship of a lot of things. A lot of the times what it looks like is the, the defense can't bring certain things up, can't ask certain questions, can't insinuate certain things to make the jury uh, even look the way of the U.S. government. And it's already a biased trial because maybe someone or some entity that should be co-defended is actually prosecution. But going to these documents and my feelings towards Chapel personally. In the beginning, I'm not a fan of these infamous figures because it's the wrong things we're celebrating. We're not celebrating doctors or scientists. We're celebrating drug dealers. I'm just not a fan of that 
type of a glamorization. I'm not a fan of making him such a symbol for badassness or like fuck the police, fuck the government type shit. And this is even with the arguments of he does good. Well, the government's already fucked up and this and the third. I just have never found a ground where I could feel comfortable saying like, I like this guy. Although I do see why he's so likable and charismatic as many people that are as polarizing as him. Are. Then as I'm going through the testimonies, the trials, you see the government for its best and for its worst characteristics. As a spectator, that makes you root for the guy that the government is trying to pitch shit on. Because throughout the trial, throughout watching these videos of people analyzing, they've mentioned how the defense can't say certain things, how their opening statement was stricken from the record because they kind of insinuated some sort of framing by the government for Chapel. So you see it's not too fair of a trial. And then you're seeing the different witnesses looking at it because they also have people that are defense attorneys analyzing the situation, playing devil's advocate, so to speak. And you see the holes in the prosecution with these witnesses because of the things that they stand to gain should they go against Chapel. And also the notion that, yeah, you can prove he's a shitty guy. Yeah, you can prove he's murdered even. Yeah, you can prove all of this. But does that prove that he's the head of the Sinaloa cartel? That is the main thing you're trying to prove. And they've said it like the judges said it. This is a trafficking case. This is a drug case. This is a case about organized crime and murder is involved, but it's not a murder case with drugs involved. If he's guilty of being a murderer, that really doesn't matter in this case, which is wild to me because it's like, fuck, someone died, though. <laughs> some people died. That's not what they're trying to prove. They're trying to prove this fool caused the shots for the Sinaloa cartel. So then taking my emotions or how I feel about Chapel out of it, looking at it strategy-wise, uh, defense versus prosecution is what I've gotten more interested in doing, being observant in that way and seeing how the prosecution is taking it, seeing how the defense is taking it, why certain people were brought up in the first place, like his mistress, for example. First of all, Chapel's wife seems to be very ride or die. She's there as much as she can be at court. She's doing press supporting him. Then like on some wiretaps, she's very worried about his well-being and their well-being as a family and the mr stuff while it doesn't really provide so much to the case against him as it relates to trafficking and racketeering and drugs and cartel shit she's on the stand explaining love letters she got from him things that he told her that led her on to believe that she was the one he involved her more in cartel stuff than she than he involved his wife but still her testimony and talking about their relationship i wondered why is that even brought on stand but i do see oh okay similar to how the FBI leaked tapes to Martin Luther King Jr.'s wife with audio on it of him having sex with somebody else to disturb the home life of everything. I feel like whether she worked in the U.S.'s or the prosecution's favor or not, she can definitely ripple whatever strong bond Chapo and his wife have. Because at the end of the day, that's who he has left. Where everyone else is turning on him, wife at least, for the most part in public and from what it seems like in court has been there for him and is standing by him. And let's say they had an open relationship. She knew about the mistresses. I think even if you're in that type of a situation, you don't know what goes on in his mistresses and his relationship, the inner workings, the sweet things that they tell each other. So when you hear it, it has to disturb you. If in fact you really love him, if in fact your wife ride or die, like it seems. So I see the strategics of it because honestly, it would help throughout the trial the prosecution if wifey just gave up on him because of the shit that she heard in court 
from the mistress. So I'm seeing it as that, like the play by plays, and then it goes into deliberation, understanding, yo, this guy, even though in the beginning when I first peeped, his defense only took one witness for 30 minutes and then rested, thought, man, this fool's done. And then seeing all of his homies turn on him, this fool's done. But once I got caught up to speed, I could see where he does have a chance at beating not just one, but all 10 counts. And then this weekend turned me emotional again with these documents that have been released. Again, these are not a testimony, so to speak. It's it's more so the prosecution in the U.S. telling the judge, this is what we're not going to bring into question and this is why. One of them is the accounts from Alex Cifuentes, who's the right-hand guy of El Chapo, that was the guy who allegedly set up the bribe with the then-Mexican president, President Nieto, just chapel's dude accounts that he has and i believe several other witnesses have confirmed this about a chapel's dealings with young girls in this document it's revealed that El Chapo would contact this woman named Comadre Maria, who would often send him pictures of girls as young as 13. And then he would pick which girls he liked, pay $5,000 for each girl. They would blindfold the girls, take them up to the campsite or wherever El Chapo and his associates were. And it wasn't just for him. This is what I'm going to get to later. But up to the campsite where they were at, the girls would get drugged. El Chapo would have sex with them. And he would refer to these young 13 year old girls as his vitamins they kept him young and i'm gonna tell you the sick part about it yes the act is horrendous but also the protection of bringing this up is horrendous because they didn't want to bring it up because they didn't want it to evoke a bias against not El Chapo because they don't mind if the jury looks at him like shit that's what they're saying he's a murderer look he's cheating on his wife look he did all this other shit but for the witness Alex he also partook in this this is why they didn't bring it up because he was also drugging these girls also having sex with these girls and should they have brought this up revealing parts of Chapo's character and dealings that are very disgusting when cross-examination were to happen the defense could just be like hey weren't you there too hey didn't you do this too? And you get this detest feeling towards your witness too that you're trying to say is a stand-up fuck, is a stand-up guy, regardless of the bad stuff he's done for a chapel. And that messed me up for those reasons, understanding that the priority here is not really justice for those girls. The priority here is putting Chapo away for drug trafficking. And even with the murder victims, the priority is not bringing justice to those families. It's kind of like you guys get justice by default as a result of him getting found guilty for this trafficking stuff. But those girls still went through this shit and you're trying to save face of a piece of shit just because he's your witness like that prioritizes him in your protection it, it makes me feel sick objectively as someone that's not trying to put emotion into this courtship i get it i get the strategy what have you but still as a human that's fucked up and honestly that's fucked up to people that praise el chapel these are the things that made me feel like we definitely should not be glamorizing this guy i think it's easy to glamorize him when you're saying when you think of him as the cartel boss yeah he's he's not the one killing these people he's calling the shots to kill these people or he's doing it but he's paying for this other person's whole life to not be poor or this is what he grew up in this is how he could get by there was no other way for him type shit now the shit that you're doing to these underage girls that's 
character, whether you're a cartel boss or you're someone next door. And then also, because I know we're saying all these people snitched on Chapo, still somewhat glamorizing Chapo for being the boss and not snitching or escaping or whatever. This is going to test your morality. See, this is the thing. When it's someone you like, it's harder to uh, go against them. When they do shit that someone you don't like, you've counted them out for. I'm going to bring in the comparison. I'm not saying he's him, but I'm going to bring in the comparison. 6 9 The shit he did with the girl that was 14. And it was easy to discredit him because you already didn't like him. So it's like, oh, you're fucking this, that, and the third. It's harder for people that are fans of Chapo to do that. Even though this guy is already a murderer or a cartel boss, we've made him a likable character. And clearly, 6 9 is going through his whole shit and getting all of his karma thrown back at him. But if you look at the situations, 6 9 they didn't find out the girl was 14 till after. With Chapo, he sought out girls that were young on purpose. Like, that's who he wanted. He didn't find out later how old they were. Yet, 6 9 is garbage. Okay, Chapo should be garbage on that accord alone. Now... I'm seeing people go off on 6 9 because he's a snitch. All right, Chapel, the guy we love, and he's this boss and infamous and all of this. Part of this document of things that they weren't going to bring up in court is about the times that Chapel snitched to the DEA. The reason why it's not brought up in court is because that would insinuate that he had a relationship with the DEA and would implicate that, oh shit, why didn't y'all do something about this sooner? Instead, y'all are talking to him. Instead, y'all are letting him continue his operation. And the US would prefer that part be left out than to say what a snitch he was. Let me read it. During a 1998 interview, the defendant told a DEA agent that he knew about several individuals individuals involved in drug trafficking such as Juan Jose Espargosa El Azul. The defendant acknowledged that Ismael Zambada Garcia, who's El Mayo, was fighting the Arellano Felix organization because the Arellano Felix organization killed a drug trafficker named Chapo Caro. Basically, he's telling him things that other people are guilty of. The defendant acknowledged that he had charges pending in the U.S. and requested assistance in avoiding extradition to the United States to face those charges. So I'm telling you this in order to, for you guys to be nicer to me. The defendant admitted an alliance with a drug trafficker Africa named Hector Guero Palma Salazar telling on his affiliates. The defendant offered to provide information to the DEA about Arellano Felix organization's routes and locations, as well as those of Huero Palma's workers. The defendant stated he had met with other traffickers in the early 1990s in Mexico City to form an alliance. The alliance was later broken when Ramon Arellano tried to kill the defendant. The defendant acknowledged his brother, Arturo Guzman Loera, had a legal problem in the United States as well. So basically he's saying, hey, this is the stuff that I want and here's what I'll give you for it. Be nicer to me and I'll tell on these people. Yeah, that's snitching. So whether you look past the crimes because you're so street code, this will snitch. Not saying they're the same person, but just like I'm seeing public opinion tear down 6 9 because he's a snitch. Even this boss that we all love is snitched for years and he does just really foul shit as a human that does not have anything to do with business or drug trafficking or government or any. This is just your character that you would do this to little girls. And that's why I had to redo this shit over because previous to this, it was just about the strategy and kind of bigging up the defense because all they have to do is really say, okay, He's a piece of shit, but is he the head of the Sinaloa cartel? Without a doubt. Are you sure it's not Mayo? His brother's here probably lying for his benefit. All these people you have against Chapo have some some reason to be against Chapo and something to gain from being nice to you. 
It's a lot to take in for many reasons, not just the shit that it says about Chapel, but also the shit that it says about the viewing public, that the people that love Chapel regardless, and also what it says about the prioritization of justice and protection that certain people are getting and not getting throughout this trial. I, I try to summarize it as best as possible. I'm probably going to cut this part out of the rest of the podcast that I had recorded because I feel like it should be its own thing. So I'm going to do that. But presumably, we're going to get the verdict by the end of the week, whether Chapel is going to be found guilty on any of the charges and spend life in prison at Supermax here in the U.S., or if he's going to be found not guilty of all of the charges and then just be sent to Mexico to serve the rest of his life sentence that he already had there. Okay. Thanks for tuning in. Don't be afraid to let me know your opinions in the comments, but also be aware that I, I know this might test your feelings or your opinion about him. It did to me, and that's why it was a roller coaster. Know that I'm not coming from either side praising him or hating him. It's just really what I've been feeling throughout this whole time. Okay, talk to you soon.